listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Everything's going to be fine. That's exactly right. I want you to go with me. Uh, we're going to talk tonight about the power to dominate. You are a, you're anointed and called to dominate in every area of life. Thank you, Dory, for sowing a seed. Amen. That's right. Everything's fine right now. That's my mother-in-law speaking a word of faith. Everything's fine right now. And so uh, thank you for sowing a seed, Dory. Appreciate that. That's right, Ashley. There's a spirit of faith. Everything's going to be better than fine. That's what this broadcast is about tonight. We're not just in survival mode. We're in domination mode by the power of God. Domination mode. That's what tonight's all about. That's what I got on to tell you about. And so I want you to go with me. Yeah, I exactly. I agree, Ashley. Ashley's speaking by faith. She said, we're going to prosper in the middle of all this. When, everything's, when everything else is going down, we're going up. And that's the basis of tonight's broadcast. When the world is going down, God's people go up. When things look like it's a, a crisis, when things look like it's a, a time of uh, uh, danger or hurt, uh, disturbance, the church is going higher. God's people are going higher in the mighty name of Jesus. We are called to dominate in Jesus' mighty name. You're not called and don't have a blood covenant with the, the almighty God to just barely get by. You don't have a covenant with the almighty God so that you can just uh, squeak by in life, so that you can just be in survival mode. That is not the plan of God for you. And uh, I want you to see this, and you know that I quote this scripture often on the broadcast, and it's Proverbs 4.18, and you know what it says? That's right, it is well. Proverbs 4.18, the Bible says, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter. So catch this with me tonight. Your path will get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. That's God's plan for you. You'll get brighter and brighter and brighter in Jesus' name. What do we call this? 10 days of glory <laughs> before we leave the month of March. And I'm believing that, that we're going to have testimonies, that we'll hold them in our hands before this month comes to an end in Jesus' mighty name. Just like Clay got on the other night and declared his own personal testimony. He said that not only did he have uh, coronavirus, but he had double pneumonia. And the power of God came upon his body in the hospital and healed him, made him home. They uh, made him made him whole. They sent him home, completely recovered, completely healed, and he's home with a testimony in his hand. We will hold our testimonies in our hands in the mighty name of Jesus. Everything's going to be better than fine. We're going to prosper, and we're going to be blessed in the middle of a mess. And I believe it without question. We're going to continue to increase and increase and increase. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. Your path is getting brighter. In fact, I want you to write it in the comments. My path is getting brighter. My path is getting brighter in Jesus' name. You're called to dominate. 
You're called to dominate. You're not a victim. You're called to dominate in the Holy Ghost. And this has been the plan from the beginning of time. This was the creator's intent for you. By the way, this broadcast is brought to you by Diet A&W Root Beer. And so I want you to go to Genesis 1. That's it. Put it in the comments. My path is getting brighter. My path is getting brighter. Genesis chapter 1, and God is uh, now determining what will happen with man after man's creation. And I want you to see this. Um, in verse 26, Genesis 1, 26, listen to this scripture. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That's right. That's what the Bible says. You've got the power over creeps, <laughs> over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You've got power over creeps. You go down two verses to the 28th verse. Listen to this. And uh, God blessed them, made, it man, made man and female, male and female. He blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit and you shall have from them food. He goes on and every beast on the earth, every bird in the heavens. He said, I want you to have dominion over all things. Everything that's within the earth's domain was given to Adam and Eve and they had dominion over that thing. And then of course, as you know, they fell into sin and they lost their dominion and turned their dominion over to Satan who became the God of this world. And so the first Adam was actually one who failed and gave control of the earth over to Satan who became the God of this world. But that's why we have the last Adam who is Jesus. And the, the Bible refers to him as the last Adam. He came from heaven with the purpose of taking back authority and dominion and placing it back in our hands. That's why he said, all power is given unto me. And then what did he tell his disciples? Let's go over there. And we dealt with this in, in uh, short the other night, but Luke chapter 10 Luke chapter 10, listen to verse 19. The Bible says, behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you or harm you. He said, I've given you authority over the enemy's power. I've given you authority over the enemy's power. I explained this the other night that even a police officer who stands at an intersection where the traffic light is out, he stands there maybe with the flashlight with a cone uh, on it so that he can direct traffic. We know, all of us know, that there's no police officer that has more power than a car or a truck, a vehicle. 
If he didn't want you to go yet, he couldn't put his hands on the hood and push that car back into its place. He doesn't have the strength or the power to do that. But what does he have that keeps you in place? The authority. He's been given delegated authority by the state so that when he speaks, we're commanded to listen and obey. And he can direct things that are more powerful than his body because he has authority. And in the same way, Jesus said to the disciples, I'm giving you authority over all the power of the enemy. In fact, even if you go back to the original Greek language, these are two different words. And so earlier translations, you know, back, if you go all the way back to the King James, it said, I give you power over all the power of the, but that's not what the original said. Didn't say I give you power over the power said, I give you authority over the power authority because we don't wrestle, wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So you can't punch a devil in the face with your natural hand. You can't curb stomp a demon. <laughs> it just doesn't work. And so you have to exercise spiritual authority in order to dominate in the supernatural and natural realm. And that's why he said, I give unto you authority over all of the power of the devil. And but none of these things shall harm you. None of these things shall hurt you. Well, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, I love this. The Bible says, and I, I quote this often, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and listen to verse 57, Paul's writing here. He said, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's my friend, Pastor John Perkey, powerful preacher. Love you, man. And so, yes, exactly, Kelly, that's, that's the word. And so he said, thanks be to God who always gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So understand this, that we have now, because of the blood of Jesus, we have authority, dominion, and power so that we can dominate. We're called to dominate. I want you to see now a very, very important passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter one. Now, here's where we're going to hang our hat and start to talk about this tonight. It's Ephesians chapter one. And the Bible says, Paul's praying over the church in Ephesus. And he said uh, that you may know what is the, in verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Watch this far above. I love that phrase, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and dominion and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come and has put all things in all capital letters, like a jealous ex-girlfriend. I want you to write in the comments, all things every person. I don't care where you're watching from. Put it in the comments in caps, all things, all things. Cause this is going to be an important point here tonight and has put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all an important uh, addendum to this is second is Ephesians two verse six, five and six. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. Watch this. By grace have you been saved 
and raised us up and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So catch this tonight. Thank you. Write it, write it, write it. This is live Friday night. That's right, Fred. All things. And so I want you to see it. It's it's very important you know this. He didn't just set Christ in heavenly places above all things. He raised us up together with Christ and seated us with Christ far above all things, including every name that is named, all dominion, all authority, all power. And so I want you to see with me in the scripture that not it's not just Christ that's above all things. It is you that is above all things. It's not just Christ that's above all dominion and every name that's named. It is you who is above all dominion and every name that is named. And so I don't care what the name is. I don't care what the name is. Paul said, why is this nonsense appeared on my feed? Obviously, because someone shared it and they're a friend of yours, Paul. (laughs) But thanks for jumping in with us, Paul. (laughs) All things. And so understand that, um, that we're seated with Jesus in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, with Christ. Why? Because we're his body. We are his body, the body of Christ. And so we've been seated far above all things. That includes every name that is named. It includes all dominion, power, and might. Not only in this world, the Bible says, but the one that is to come or that which is to come. So in the future and now, we're seated above all things. You know, many people think when you hear someone say something like, well, you know, the devil's right, just right under our feet. Well, understand something. He's not right under your feet. The devil's not right under your feet. For the Bible tells us, We're so far above him and demonic power and all of the rulers that are, you know, antichrist spirits, every wicked thing. We're so far above it, far above all things. It'd be like, I mean, this wouldn't even be that great of an analogy, but imagine, imagine the devil walking around at the base of the Empire State Building and you sitting on the spire that's at the very very top of the Empire State Building. I don't know if any of you that are watching have ever gone up in the Empire State Building in New York City and looked out or even looked down to the ground from the from the observation deck. My wife and I did that not long ago and looked down and it just looks so high. I mean, you look down, people look so tiny and that's not even close to as high as you've been raised in Christ. So people have this thought like the devil is right under their feet, you know, trying to bump, bump on the soles of their shoes. He's not. He's so far below you. He's so far below you because the Bible teaches that you've been seated so far above in, in heavenly places at the right hand of God. So let me ask you this. Do you really think, thank you, Jay. Do you really think that the devil is bumping his head on the sh- on the shoes on the bottom of the soles of God's feet do you really think that he's harassing God right under heaven you know bumping him and mess no he's got no access into the heavenly realms now he has been ejected he's been ejected and so he is now here on the earth the bible teaches roaming and doing his thing but now we are so far above him spiritually he has no access to you and has no access to me unless you give it to him 
And so authority, power has been given to you. It's been given to you. We are seated so far up. And so I want you to catch this. We've been anointed and placed in a position to dominate in every area of life. This is why I teach this uh, and those that believe like me differently than others in the body of Christ who, who will sit around and teach you, well, brother, you got to just learn how to endure troubles. You just got to learn how to endure. And, I, and listen, I should make a statement here regarding the things that Jesus said, because he talked about the fact that there would be trials and tribulations, but those things were not what people define them as today. Jesus was speaking about persecution that would come because you are a Christian, persecution that would come because you're a believer. That's what Jesus was referencing, not sickness and disease, not a virus, not bacteria. He wasn't talking to you about terrorist attacks in one sense. Uh, you know, he was talking about in a persecution sense, but not in the sense that we're thinking about in, in America today. There are Christians around the world that are, by terrorists are being persecuted and killed as persecution for their Christian belief. But that's not happening in America today. Uh, in the same way that you would see, you know, something happen in the Middle East or, you know, on the continent of Africa. It's not the same. We're not experiencing the same persecution in the, in America or Canada that they are in other nations. So people get all freaked out in America, like, my God, we're in the middle of the tribulation. No, we're not. We're not in the middle of the tribulation. We're called to dominate. And so when Jesus talks about persecutions, he literally means people who will persecute you for belonging to him. And he said, they hated me before they hated you. And because you belong to me, they'll hate you too. But he's not talking about sickness. He's not talking about getting cancer. He's not talking about catching coronavirus. He's not, he's not talking about any of those things. He's talking about an antichrist system that tries to push back against the church. But, uh, but in regards to those other things, what Christ redeemed us from, we're called to dominate in those areas. You're called to dominate sickness and disease. You're called to dominate depression and anxiety. You're called to dominate lack and poverty. You're called to dominate a spirit of sin and temptation sent to you by the evil one. So that's why I wanted you to share the broadcast tonight and get people like Paul on that didn't even want to see this, this broadcast. It always makes me laugh when there's like a straggler who's like, you know, I just had a friend, he's like an, a distant friend of a friend that I somehow said yes to on Facebook one time. And now I regret it because now I'm seeing this preacher come on every night and he's like preaching on my Facebook and I didn't even ask to see him. And he's like creeping up on my, on my timeline. And so there will be uh, friends of friends, six degrees of separation. <laughs> he's like, I, I met that guy somewhere one time and Facebook friended him. And now, now I'm kicking myself. <laughs> And so I think Paul may have logged out now, Karen. If he's still here, welcome. Stick with us, Paul. But um, understand this, that there is a, a, a dominating anointing. You have the power to be far above, far above. I and mean, you're seated far above. So we need to act like we're far above. Even in the Old Testament, before Christ seated us in heavenly places, and there were just Old Testament saints who were literally just being directed by God to do what they did and be faithful to even the law of Moses or the covenant they currently had with God. Look at a man like Daniel, who should have died 
because they passed laws. Now, people say this, makes me laugh. I think we should talk about it. People get into uh, people get into the situations like we're in America right now, where the government wants people to stay home and don't go to church and you know would rather shut everything down. And people are so quick to be like, yeah, government said it, we got to stay home. You know, people are so quick to do that. And then I have people that will ask and they'll say, well, shouldn't we just obey those in leadership and authority over us? Doesn't the Bible teach to, to obey those that are in leadership? Only so far as it doesn't contradict our Christian beliefs or rights. Let me read to you uh, Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. Listen to this. And this, I'm going to start with verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, the government. And the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in Jesus' name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles replied, listen to what they said. We must obey God rather than man. We must obey God rather than man. And so understand, that's if that's uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. We must obey God rather than man. Our, our first allegiance is to God and his word. What would you do if you lived in a nation that it was illegal to be a Christian? Would you just say, well, I guess I'll not be a Christian because the government says, you know, that I shouldn't be a Christian. Is that how you would handle that? Because you want to be able to make sure you're obeying the governmental authorities? Or is there a time where you stand up and say, no, we have Christian rights. And especially in America, we have constitutional rights that allow us to gather as believers that the government cannot stop us from doing that. Can't stop us from doing it. And so... You know, there's people that they've, like my, my cousin showed that pastor in um, Louisiana where the police came into his church while he was still holding um, services, you know. But let me tell you, there will be a price to pay in court for things like that because you're violating constitutional right. Martial law hadn't even been passed and they came to arrest him. So let me tell you, there will be a price to pay in court for that because we live in a nation that gives us the right to gather uh, in religious, in religious, uh, we have religious protection under the constitution. We have a right to gather for religious purposes. And so, but even, even if we weren't in a nation that had it, look at Daniel, that's what I'm getting ready to get to look at Daniel who evil men that didn't like the fact that number one, he had favor on his life. The King loved him. And, uh, the fact that he was a godly man that would pray three times a day in the open, in the open. And so what did they do? They manipulated the king, stroked the king's pride and ego, and said, sign an edict that that makes it illegal to pray to anybody except you, O king. King's like, man, that sounds pretty good. You know, it makes you put you on the level of a god. No one can pray to anyone but you, O king. And so he he was tricked into signing it. They did it for the sole purpose of ousting. Uh, Daniel from his position of power. They were jealous of him. But when that edict was passed, I, don't, I want you to see this. Did Daniel go somewhere privately 
and like secretly begin to worship the Lord. And he's like, you know, I still love the Lord. I'm just going to do it in a, in a prayer closet, you know, so that I don't offend any anybody in the government or offend anybody in the nation. No, he went to the place that he always went, threw open the windows and began to pray publicly to his God, not to the king, to his God. And they, what did they do? They reported him to the king and the king was sorry that he had signed the edict and said, but I have to carry it out because it's my word. And so what happened? They opened up the pit of lions. They opened up the pit of lions and tossed him in, tossed Daniel in. But the power of God, what happened in the lion's den? The question, what happened in the lion's den? Daniel dominated in the lion's den by the power of God. He dominated a place where he should have died. He dominated. He dominated. I want you to put this in the comments tonight by faith. I will dominate where others die. I will dominate where I should have died. Either one of those. I will dominate where I should have died. That's what Daniel did. He dominated where he should have died. And I love what the Bible does to give us context you know, because there were people, I'm sure, that if the Bible hadn't given us the full story, I'm sure there would be people that would have uh, that would have preached it this way. You know, well, you know, the, the lions weren't really hungry. You know, that was really, that's really what the story was. The reason he didn't die is that, you know, the lions just weren't hungry. I'm sure there were people that would have preached that. So the Bible gave us the whole story that after he'd been in the pit, the king came back the next morning early and shouted down in, Daniel, are you still there? Are you still alive? And he said, oh, oh, king, I'm here. He said, I'm here. No problem here. And so Daniel was lifted up out of the pit and the evil men, I love that the Bible lets us know this, the evil men that manipulated the king into signing the edict were thrown into the lion's den. And the Bible says, and before they hit the ground, their bones were broken by the lions and they were eaten. <laughs> just to prove to you, it's not that the lions weren't hungry. They were hungry. It's just that they were not allowed to eat Daniel because Daniel dominated that situation by the power of the Holy Ghost. And you are called to dominate. You are called to dominate. Hallelujah. You are called to dominate where others have died and where you should have died. Your story will not be the same as everybody else's story in Jesus' name. I would not care. And people think I'm being facetious or, you know, people think that I'm actually like, you know, be just joking around. I would not care if every person on my block got coronavirus. It wouldn't matter a bunch to, uh, at all to me. I would go out. I would get on my bike. I would literally still ride around the neighborhood I'd still take walks around the neighborhood. If every house in my neighborhood had, a, had, had cases of coronavirus, it would not change the way I conducted my life. I'm not going to start operating in fear and call it wisdom <laughs> because of the fact that, you know, these things have happened. I have a healing covenant with God. I've got a healing covenant with God. That's not unwise to trust in your healing covenant and go on about life as usual. First of all, let me give you, let me give you, um, let me give you a, just a little heads up about what's happening in other nations. In South Africa, they just announced, the government announced, that if your neighbor 
has coronavirus, you're to report them to the government. And if you don't, you'll be in trouble, arrested. And they said, this is especially true for spiritual leaders like pastors. If you don't report congregants that have coronavirus, you will be arrested and thrown in jail and fined. Okay, well, here's the thing. How am I as a neighbor supposed to know that my neighbor has coronavirus? How would I even know that? That's the whole point. Is like, I'm going to go out afraid of something that I don't even know is true or not. I'm going to stop going out outside. I'm going to start stop walking around the block. I'm going to stop going around uh, my neighborhood. Stop going to the grocery store. You know, because, you know, somebody may or may not have it. I don't actually know. I'm going to go about my life as normal and believe what the Bible said, that although a thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, these things will not touch me in Jesus' mighty name. I'm called to dominate. Listen, if God can't keep me from a coronavirus, I might as well hang it all up right now. Might as well just hang it up. I mean, if literally, if I if I can't stay protected from a coronavirus, I might as well quit going to other third world nations. I might as well never go on a missions trip where it's a dangerous place. I might as well, I might as well not do anything if God can't keep me from a coronavirus. Or do you believe we're called to dominate and the power of God is literally resident inside your body? It is inside your body. Think about that. Paul had to remind the Corinthians, and so I'm reminding you. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so I want you to understand this tonight. You are full, full of the power of the Holy Ghost. And so what am I going to go change how I go about my day? Because I'm afraid that I may catch, if I can't, literally, if God can't keep me for something as small as this, I might as well hang it up. You might as well hang it up. And so understand, our God is greater. The power power that is in you is greater. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in your body. Literally, living in your body. And so I want you to see this with me tonight. You're called to dominate. You're anointed to dominate. Daniel dominated in the lion's den. What's the same thing that happened in in the book of Daniel with the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Same type of deal. Persecution for what they believed. What did they do? Well, the king, once again, thought he was all that, set up a statue, called everybody to stand before the statue, and he said, whenever you hear the music play, bow down and worship my statue. Well, three of them. I mean, imagine how stark of a contrast when you've got the whole nation standing there bowing down when the music played and you got three dudes just standing up looking around. (laughs) And so he thought because he, once again, these guys had favor with the king already. And so he calls them in because he's sure that they just didn't understand the instructions. Oh, you must not understand. I said that when you hear the music play and they're like, man, you can play till you're blue in the face. I ain't bowing to a statue. I'm not bowing to a statue. Why? We serve the one true God and we're not giving our worship to any statue. The king was so mad that he took the furnace that he had prepared and heated it seven times hotter. I love that once again, the Bible does the same thing to let us know. It's like, well, it must not have been that hot of a fire. That's why they didn't die. The Bible lets us know that the fire was so hot that the actual soldiers who uh, restrained them and moved them towards the entrance of the furnace, as they were throwing in the three Hebrew children, The flames were so hot, they leapt out of the furnace and killed the guards that were throwing them in. 
I love that the Lord gives us those details just to let some skeptical person know that said, well, the lions weren't hungry or the fire wasn't that hot. Oh, the lions were hungry and the fire was hot. It's just that we're called to dominate in every situation by the power of God. And God showed his power once again. And they were thrown in. And when he looked in, what did he see? Not dead corpses being burnt on the ground of the furnace, but men loosed up and walking around. Not three like he threw in, but four. As Oral Roberts preached for years, the fourth man. There was a fourth man in the fire. The power of God was at work. They were called to dominate where they were. We dominate where we are. Demons don't have more power than you have. Sickness doesn't have more power than you have. Disease doesn't have more power than you have. You are full of Holy Ghost power and you're called to dominate. In every situation, you're called to dominate. You're not called to take a back seat to some evil spirit or some wicked thing that's floating through the earth. You're not called to take a back seat to that. Dominate in the Holy Ghost. And here's the issue is that most people just don't know they've got the right to dominate. That's why it's so important what you believe. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, Proverbs 23. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you don't believe, see, what happens is you will experience the reality of what you believe to be true. That's a very important point. Put it in the comments. I will experience the reality of what I believe to be true. That's vital that you catch that. I will experience the reality of what I believe to be true. That's why right believing leads to right speaking, leads to right actions, leads to right harvests. Because if I don't get the seed right, the harvest won't be right. If I don't get the seed right, the harvest won't be right. That's why it's vital to believe the right thing. Think the right thing. Say the right thing. Do the right thing. Because if I don't get the seed right, the harvest won't be right. And so I got to know I'm called to dominate. I will experience the reality of what I believe to be true. Because understand something. If I believe something, it governs my actions. Correct? If I look at a chair in a room and I say, I just don't believe that that chair has got the power to hold me up. I don't. I don't. Hey, Luanda. Good morning. (laughs) If I look at a chair and say, I don't believe that chair's got the power to hold me up, I won't sit down in it. Why? Why won't I? Because I believe it's going to collapse and not hold my weight. So what happens? My actions are governed by what I believe. I won't sit in a chair that I don't believe can hold me. And as a result, think about it this way. If there's no other chairs in the room, I will stand and my legs will get tired because I refuse to sit in a chair because I have a belief that it won't hold me. And so what am I doing? In that extreme example, I'm experiencing the reality of what I believe to be true. If I believe the chair won't hold me, I won't sit down on it. And if I won't sit down on it, I can't take the rest of it. If I can't take the rest of it, my legs will suffer and become tired because I can't believe in a chair, whether or not it will hold me up. I don't know because I haven't even tried it. But my belief makes me do a certain thing. My belief makes me say a certain thing. That's why I I always crack up. You know, and I'm not saying that there's not injustice in the world, but in America, man, this this is truly a, a nation of opportunity. 
When people say things, well, so the reason I the reason I'm not successful is because this people group is holding me down, or this this body of uh, governing whoever is holding me down, or this place is holding me down, or this place is holding me down. And there's literally people that go for generation after generation believe they can't be successful because somebody else is holding them down. When we literally live in the most opportunistic nation in the entire world. I mean, it's insane how much opportunity is in the United States of America. It's it's insane how much money people are making from sitting on their couch at home. But yet you've got people that will never step out and do anything because they have this belief system. Well, I can't do that because of this. I can't do that because this person's holding me back. And this this gov- governing body's holding me back. And this group of people's holding me back. And this this race of people is holding me back. And this sex of people is holding me back. And, and there's people that believe like that. So you know what? They never do anything. They never do anything. They never succeed. They never move forward because their belief system is, I can't because. I can't because. And so I want you to understand this. It's very important that you know that you will experience the reality of what you believe to be true. And so what happens? The things I believe will become my confessions. I will say what I believe. The apostle said that we believe, therefore we speak. People don't go around trying to convince you of things and talking about things that they don't even believe. You know, I can't, I can't remember the last time I sat down and had a conversation with somebody about, you know, Bigfoot, <laughs> the Loch Ness monster. He's like, man, I can't, I wish I could see that Loch Ness monster. I, I mean, I wish I had an encounter with Bigfoot. I really believe, you know what? Cause I don't even believe them to be true. Why would I sit and have a conversation about something that I don't even believe to be true? My words will never uh, 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 encapsulate it because it's not in my mind because I don't believe in it. I don't believe it to be true. And this is the, this is the problem. If you don't believe the things of the word, or God, the word of God are true, you won't speak them. If you don't believe, let me give you a practical example now. If you don't believe that the healing power of the Holy Ghost is real, you won't depend on it which means you won't speak it out, you won't pray it, you won't act it out, and your faith is not in it. And as a result, you won't experience it. Your lack of belief will give you a lack of manifestation. Your lack of faith in the word results in a lack of manifestation and people become frustrated and they're broken and they're hurting. And many times I don't even blame them. I blame the preachers that will not preach the full gospel of God's word. And people attend churches where they won't even talk about divine healing because they don't believe in it. They won't preach in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They won't preach in the the provision uh, prosperity message of God because they don't believe it. If they don't, then they can't stand on the word of God for it. And if they can't, there won't be manifestation of it. So they'll never dominate in those areas because their faith has been compartmentalized. And let me explain what I mean by that because it's vital that you catch this. If you were to go into a submarine or a ship built by the Navy, one of the things that you'd find in the bottom is that you'd find compartments and compartments are separated by hatches. And the reason that the compartments are there was that if the hull of the ship was ever compromised, if a torpedo, for example, hit the ship and blew a hole in the side of the hull, one of the things they can do is close off that compartment by closing the hatches and screwing them closed. That would keep the water that was rushing in from the ocean isolated to only that compartment, thus not sinking the ship. 
And so the ships are compartmentalized so that the water can't go throughout the entire ship. So I want you to see this. Faith is very much the same in a different way, the opposite way, in fact. Faith is compartmentalized in your heart by the word that you've received on certain subjects. Paul makes a very good point in Romans chapter 10 by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in regards to salvation. But it's not just in regards to salvation. It's in regard to everything that we receive from God's word. And I'll show you in a moment. Look at this. Now, what point am I making now? If you want to dominate in an area, then you have to have sufficient faith and revelation of God's word in that area. See this with me. I'm going to repeat that because many people have never been taught this. It's actually something, and I'm going to give you just a brief overview of what I teach in depth in our brand new Mountain Moving Faith course in Miracle Word University. It's called faith compartmentalization. What is, what's happening, and Paul teaches it, and he experiences it as well in his ministry. But listen, listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 10. He says this, um, verse 13, Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they've not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. What's the point? And then he goes on to say in verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Paul, Paul's making the point. It is literally impossible, impossible for a person to be saved if they never hear the gospel. That's plain and simple. People are like, what happens to people that never hear the gospel? God judges them differently. No, he doesn't. People that never hear the gospel go to hell because it's not God's job to get the gospel to everybody. He gave that job to the church. The church is supposed to be evangelizing the world. And Paul makes it extremely clear that if a person never hears the gospel, there is no way for them to be saved. Romans 1.16 is further proof of that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Paul makes it very clear. The gospel is the avenue by which someone is saved. Faith comes by hearing the word preached, the gospel message in context we're talking about. So you can't have faith to have salvation if you've never heard the gospel preached. That's Paul's basic message. But notice this, it is also true about every other benefit of salvation. It is this concept of compartmentalized faith is true about every other benefit. I'm going to show you that also from the word of God. Uh, one of the things that's important to see is if all you ever hear is preaching about salvation and you don't ever hear about, you know, you never hear preaching about divine healing, you can have faith to be saved and have no faith to be healed. No question. Because faith for healing comes by preaching on healing. That's how it comes. You can have faith to be saved and healed and have no faith to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because faith for the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes from hearing preaching and teaching on the baptism. You can have all three of those things 
and not have any faith for prosperity or divine provision from God, financial increase. No faith for that because no one's preached it to you. So your faith is compartmentalized by what you've heard and understood from the word of God. So let me show you another example of this happening in another area besides salvation. Because people say, well, that's just for salvation, brother. That's just for people being saved. No, it's for everything. If you want to dominate, you have to have the word on the subject or the area in which you want to dominate. Let me show you. Acts 19, Paul goes to Ephesus. And this is what he says. He found he finds 12 men. And the Bible says um, he found 12 men. Verse 2, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And what did they say? No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? No, not number one, we did not receive it. Number two, we've not even heard that there's such a thing called the Holy Spirit. Problem. They couldn't receive it because they didn't even know about it. In fact, they weren't even saved yet. They'd only been baptized with John's baptism in water. But Paul then tells them, no, that was just the baptism under repentance, but let me show you. And then he gives them the gospel about Jesus. And the Bible says, and then they're baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, meaning they got saved. So notice they couldn't even be saved until they heard that message. And then Paul breaks open for them the message of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And after they get saved, what does he do? He then lays his hands upon them and all 12 men are baptized in the Holy Ghost and begin to speak with other tongues and prophesy. And so they could not receive those things. They couldn't even have faith for them because they had not even heard that there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. So this this compartmentalization of faith, it does not just happen for salvation, but it happens for every area where you'd like to dominate. Why is that the case? I'll show you why it's the case. John chapter 8 and verse 32. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you don't get the seed right, the harvest won't be right. I've got to believe right, speak right, act right if I want the right manifestation from God. That's faith. Faith is not just what you think. And faith is not just what you say. It is actually what you do. That's what James is writing about. Faith without works is dead being alone. If you've got faith, guess what'll happen? It will be mirrored in your works. The things you do will proceed from your faith. The things you do will proceed from your faith. And so faith is not just something we say we do or say we believe. It is actually an outward, uh, um, really it's, it's an outward uh, expression of an inward belief. When I do things in the natural, I do them out of faith. I walk by faith and not by sight. That's the what the Bible says. We walk by faith and not by sight. I'm not going to go by what I see. You know, if I made decisions on what people were saying or, or doing in regard to the coronavirus, I would be walking by sight and not by faith. I mean, I, you couldn't make this any more plain than I'm making it, but 
I have to because some people, they just don't catch it. They just don't get it. And people can't even logically read the Bible literally and then understand and interpret it literally. If I made decisions after having a covenant relationship of healing with God, and then I go out and say, well, I don't really believe that it works. I don't really believe that it's powerful enough to keep me from all harm and danger. I don't believe that it's powerful enough to keep me from, from uh, sickness and disease. Okay, so Christ died, shed his blood, took stripes upon his back, died, was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, sent the Holy Spirit, completed the work of redemption, but somehow it's not powerful enough to keep you from a virus, so you got to wear a paper mask. So I'm not going out. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not going out with a paper mask on, and I'm not going out with surgical gloves on, because if... <laughs> if if I've got a healing covenant, a protective covenant with God, and it's not stronger than a paper mask and surgical gloves, it's not much of a covenant. And I might as well hang it up. I might as well quit today. It's, it's a ridiculous thought process. Well, you know, I, I do have a, he said, I'm the God that heals you. He said, I'm the one that'll keep you under the pinions of my wings. I'm the one that when other people are suffering, I'll keep you in a place of perfect peace. I'll keep you in a place of healing. I'll put none of these diseases upon you. By my stripes, you were healed. I'm going to go through those scriptures and say to myself, okay, if I'm going to dominate in that area, then I need faith from the word of God in the area of healing and divine protection. Why do you think I wrote this? Why do you think I wrote this book? I wrote this book because people need to understand the protective power of their covenant with God. I wrote this. The Lord prompted me to write this so that you know that there's not just a, there's not just this, this like legendary feeling of, of mysticism of my God. You know, I think, you know, if God's willing, the whole reason this, this 224 pages exists is because after nine 11, people were walking around in fear and then Ebola struck and people were once again, walking around. The, the airports of America with, with paper mask on, H1N1 hit, paper mask. People are sitting around scared. I wrote this so that people would understand if God could do this in the old covenant, if he could do this on the first Passover when an actual death angel was passing through town, touching homes, don't tell me he can't do this when coronavirus is coming through town. Don't tell me he can't do this when H1N1, swine flu, Ebola, whatever else is sweeping through the world. Don't tell me that the blood of a natural lamb can keep out a supernatural being the death angel, but the blood of our eternal lamb, Jesus Christ, can't keep out a virus. Don't tell me that because that's not the God that I serve. The blood is a barrier and you've got to have faith to receive those things. I don't care if people don't like that or do like that. It's available on our website, uh, Millie. It's available on Amazon. You can get it as an ebook. But I want you to hear this. People get all bent out of shape when you teach like that and say, well, sounds like you've got a little class system in the body of Christ. And you're going to go around telling people that the reason that they've not received blessings from God is because they don't have enough faith. Yes, that's what I'm going to tell them because I don't care. My, my theology and my doctrine are not based upon people's experiences. How stupid is that? 
to base your doctrine and theology and what you believe about God on an imperfect person's experience. Why would I ever do that? Why would I make our religion so flimsy that it would it, it would be tossed and driven like the wind by people's uh, experiences that they have in their lives? Well, and here's what people always say to you. People always say stuff like this. Well, I knew brother so-and-so, and he was the godliest man I ever knew, and he died of such and such. And they'll list some disease or some sickness. He was always in church. He was always ready to greet you with a smile. And he was a godly man, and he died. And if, you know, it's like, oh, really? Well, I didn't realize that he was the Holy Spirit. I didn't realize that he was Jesus Christ reincarnated. And so I'm supposed to base all my Christian beliefs on brother so-and-so who had a nice smile and was always ready with a piece of gum at the door of the church who died. And I'm not saying it's not sad when people die. It is sad when people die, but it doesn't adjust or correct my theology in any way, shape, or form. If everyone I ever knew died, it wouldn't change the fact that Jesus is a divine healer and that it's his will for everyone to be healed. And if you're going to dominate in the in any realm, you have to have more faith in what the Bible says than what the government says, than what the news says, and what the experiences of people that you know say. You've got to be stronger than that. Be stronger than that. Paul told the church at Ephesus, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Don't be weak. You know what weak people do? They change their thoughts every time someone has a problem. They change their belief system every time somebody has an issue. Well, you know, I guess I don't know. Sister so-and-so just came down with this. And, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I just thought God was, uh, I just, I guess we'll just never know. I guess we just won't ever know till we get to heaven. That's the kind of stuff people say. And it's stupid. It's absolutely illogical. Our faith is not based on what happens to a man or a woman. doesn't matter their status in the church. You know how many people's uh, faith in America was shattered when big name evangelists in the 80s began to have, um, you know, problems, uh, begin to have uh, crisis and begin to have scandals. You know how many people, how many people's faith was shaken because they had their faith in a man and not in God. They had their faith in a television personality and not in the mighty word of God. People may fall, doesn't change my faith in God's word. Men may fail, women may fail, doesn't change my faith in the word of God. People may die. I, I'm not the judge of what's going on in their life. I don't know what's happening behind the scenes. All I can say to you is their story will not be my story in Jesus' name. You know, I, I say in this book, God, it's not God's will for you. Let me read something to you at the very beginning. At the very, very beginning, first chapter of the book that I write, at the end of, of the chapter, as we start the book, here's what I say. I want you to remember several things as you read this book. Number one. It is not God's plan for you to live with or die of disease. Psalm 91.3. Number two, it is not God's plan for you to perish in a car or plane crash or a crash of any kind. 
Psalm 91.4. Number three, it is not God's plan for you to be destroyed by natural disasters. Psalm 91.6. Number five, or four, it is... Uh, it is not God's plan for you to be affected by terrorist attacks, Psalm 91.7. And number five, it is not God's plan for your life to be cut short at a young age, Psalm 91.16. God's plan is not for you to perish with sickness and disease. His plan is not for you to perish in a car or plane crash. It's not, it's not, no, God has a protective power and you're called to dominate You're called to dominate in every area of life. And just because some are martyred, it doesn't mean that not, it doesn't mean that any, everybody that's persecuted has to be martyred. There are plenty of teachings in God's word of people that were about to be martyred, that God delivered them. (laughs) Amen. That God delivered them. So can you have faith? what, What would be, just think about it logically. If I'm a preacher what is in God's best interest? Is it, is it in God's better interest for me to stay alive a long time and work for him my whole life or only be alive for 35 years or 40 years? What's better for the kingdom? It's better that workers do it for, for the long haul, the long period of time. For there's work to be done. There's great work to be done and not enough workers. Jesus said that all the way back 2,000 years ago. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his harvest field. Why? Because the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few. So it's in God's best interest to invest in and protect his laborers because he has a job that he wants to be completed and there's not enough people to do it. So it's literally in God's best interest to protect your body and to protect your mind and to protect your family. Why do you think the Bible says in the Old Testament precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. It doesn't mean he thinks it's so precious when you die. The word in the original language actually means expensive or costly. It costs God something when one of his saints goes home to heaven because it's another worker that's been lost from the earth when the work is so great and there's so much still to be done. It is in God's best interest to keep you alive and protected. Hey, my Pitbull, Bruno Joseph. It's not av- available at Walmart stores. I wish it was. It's available on Amazon.com and our website. Available on Apple Books as well as uh, Kindle. And you can get a paperback or a digital version. And so I want you to understand this. Most scholars, Karen, believe that Tim- Timothy suffered with stomach conditions because he lived in a time where they had uh, the... the um, The reservoirs of water where he lived were so tainted, he was drinking so much of that bad water that it was causing him to go into that place. And that's why Paul, you know, people love to use that story about Paul where Paul said, uh, take a little wine for your stomach's sake, telling Timothy to just start drinking. He wasn't telling Timothy to start drinking. That was literally the drinks they had of the day. It was water. It was wine. And so he told him that for that purpose. That they were living, and I wrote about that. They were living in those times where those things were bad for your body. You just don't drink them. I don't drink sewage either. (laughs) That doesn't mean I live in fear. It means I have wisdom. That is actual wisdom. I don't drink sewage. And that they were saying what was happening in those days is they were being polluted. The water wells and the, uh, I'm trying to think of the exact word that, uh, not estuary, but what's, somebody help me with the word I'm thinking of. 
um, what they had in Timothy's day. It's not an estuary, but um, oh, what what was the waterways that they had that they pulled their water from in those days? Anyway, they were being polluted, and they found out culturally that those things, those cities were getting sick because of pollution of those waterways that they pulled their water from. And Paul said, stop drinking so much water, it's bothering your stomach for that reason. Aqueducts. Thank you, Preston. But I don't even think that that's the proper word. There's, there's something else that I'm missing. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Cisterns. That's correct. Cisterns. And so... Uh, Many scholars believe that's the main reason. He, he was drinking so much tributaries or systems. He was drinking so much water that was polluted from those systems. It was causing problems in his stomach. And that's why Paul gave him a, a, a step of wisdom to take. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt. Let me, let me just say this. I wouldn't doubt God's healing power if every day I went out and drank from uh, water that was polluted with sewage. So I just don't know why I'm sick all the time. Yeah, stop drinking the water that's full of sewage and you'll stop being sick. And so, you know, they didn't understand possibly at the time as much, but Paul gave him uh, a word by the Spirit and helped him out. Because as you know, the, every bit of Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God. And so I want you to understand this, that God's called you to dominate in every area of life. He's called you to dominate in your mind, not be controlled by depression and anxiety, suicidal thoughts. He's called you to dominate in your physical body and walk in healing and health and strength. He's called you to dominate financially and not be in poverty and in lack. He has called you to dominate, but how does it happen? How does it take place? Faith has to grow in every area of your life differently. You need to, see, here's the thing people never really fully understand. I need to build my faith up on the subject of healing so that I can fully walk in healing. If you're going to wait, if you only eat spiritually on Sunday morning for 30 minutes or depending on how, how long your pastor preaches, you know, if that's all your spirit eats, your spirit is going to be emaciated and not be strong. You've got to eat throughout the week. You've got to eat throughout the week and you don't need to eat. It's just like when you eat normal food, you need certain types of food. I need some carbs, but I, you know, I also need uh, vegetables. I also need proteins. I, you know, there's a lot of things my body needs. I need minerals. I need vitamins. I need vegetables. I need carbs. I need uh, proteins. I need fats that are good. And so I want you to understand that in the same way, your spirit needs different things. I need teaching on holiness. I need teaching on healing. I need teaching on the Holy Ghost. I need teaching on joy and peace. I need teaching on God's financial provision. I need these things so my spirit can grow in these areas so that I can walk and dominate in these areas of life. I must dominate. God's called us to have dominion. Why? We're seated far above all dominion and every name that is named. I'm seated, you're seated so far above the name COVID-19 that it's not even funny. You're seated so far above coronavirus, it's not even funny. I'm not out at the you know grocery store with a mat. I went to Costco the other day. You know, people don't even really take this serious. I was, I was, people say they do, but they they're they're just doing that stuff. They don't really think it's that dangerous. You know, I was at Home Depot and you had a family coming through there with like, you know, all wrapped up, 
but they're not there because they like really needed something. It was like groceries. I have to have groceries to live. There's people out at Home Depot with their little paper mask, just browsing the, the plant section, the garden section to buy flowers for their flower beds at home. They're not acting like it's a global emergency. They're just, you know, casually browsing flowers to plant in their flower beds, hanging out at Home Depot because they're sick of being home. But you know, well, let's throw a paper mask on. They don't believe it's that big of a deal. Otherwise, they'd stay home unless they needed groceries or something to live. They don't, th- they don't even think that. So don't tell me that as a Christian, I need to be going out. I was at Costco, people all over the place p- picking out canned goods with blue surgical gloves on. It's like, buddy, I'm not living like that. I refuse to live like that because it's not my portion to walk around in sickness and disease. But understand, I've built my faith in this area for decades, you know, at least three. I've been hearing healing messages since I was two weeks old, almost nightly, almost nightly. So I, yes, I was blessed to start this at a young age, but that's the blessing of godly families. You might be the first generation of your family to be saved. You've got to start where you are. You have to fill yourself with preaching and teaching that will build your faith topically. I need to know and understand about healing for my own body because I have to be able to stand up and take what God said is mine. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Take it by force. Take the blessing that God said is yours and don't let the devil talk you out of it or act like it's not yours. You are seated far above every wicked thing that's launched in this earth. Exactly. Yes, we we use wisdom. I go to the store. Lindsay says this. We don't go around licking things at the store. Of course not. Of course not. Of course we use wisdom. I'm not out, you know, it's true. You know, it's funny to me that uh, essential things have stayed open. Churches have to close, but liquor stores, however, are open. Liquor, it may make sure it's important. It's important that you get your crown royal and wild turkey. Very, very important that you're able to get that. That is essential. You know, in states where there's uh, marijuana shops where you can legally buy marijuana, they're open. They're open. Churches are closed. Because <laughs> people need their alcohol and weed, man. They don't need their word of God, but they need their alcohol and weed. <laughs> Cracks me up. I, I refuse to live in fear. I understand I'm called to dominate by the power of the Holy Ghost. And one of the reasons I'm taking time to do these spirit of faith sessions is to build your faith in these areas because more needs to be taught about spiritual dominion. It's not taught enough anymore. We, there's there's so many things. I look throughout this nation. There's so many people doing series on like how to have better work relationships. You know, six things to do when your kids go south. Like this is the stuff that's being taught to people. And then others wonder like, I don't know why I'm so weak in faith. I'll tell you why. Because there's many people that are preaching stuff that's, number one, it's not faith, faith building. And it has nothing to do with me not liking practical teaching. I love practical teaching. And I'm listening to practical stuff all the time. We need teaching on marriage and we need teaching on stewardship and we need practical stuff, but not at the expense of removing Holy Ghost preaching and teaching that builds faith to to dominate in this life from our churches. Believers are called to be a city set on a hill. And I'm just going to say it publicly. And if there's preachers that have done it, 
they can get mad at me if they want to, but I, I just think it's ridiculous. If I had a church, I would never do an at the movies series. Why? I mean, why would I waste time taking clips from movies to preach spiritual truths from when there's so much from God's word? You can't even exhaust the fullness of God's word. We're, we're trying to find carnal ways to bring people in and carnal ways to get people in the seats. It's just such a waste of time. It's just such a waste of time. It's like, what do you want to do? Create a children's church for full-grown adults? Let's start doing quiet seat prize. That'd be fun. Have a candy chest at the front for the, for the adults that do the best during the service. Let them come and get a piece of candy after the service. I mean, I don't, I mean it just blows my mind. We need strong preaching and teaching. Strong preaching and teaching to take our faith to another level. Oh, it's done all over America, Allison. Almost every emergent church is doing at the movies series. Almost all of them are. I see it everywhere I travel. Join us for our at the movies series, part three. We're going to draw the redemptive conclusions between the matrix and, you know, and the gospel message. It's like, we don't need it. Keep your movie at home. You know. Yeah. You could just block his number, Karen. We need power and we need, and see power is manifested by knowledge of the word. And that's what this is about. You're called to dominate in every area of life, dominate in every area of life. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to preach this tonight is because you're called to dominate. Oh, it's, it's true. You're called to dominate in the area of health and strength, dominate. Doesn't mean you don't use wisdom with your body. You use wisdom with your body. Even Paul said, physical exercise profits a little bit. So of course, you want to be a steward over the temple of the Holy Spirit that God gave you. See, that, that, that's what blows my mind. Just because we believe in divine healing and in the miracle working power of God doesn't mean that we abuse our physical bodies. Of course not. Of course, we don't just abuse our bodies because we have a healer. We take care of our bodies. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in me by his Holy Spirit. And he deserves to live in a house that is kept uh, strong and kept clean. And of course, that's the case. But at the same time, I'm not going to go around walking around in fear because something's sweeping through the earth. I refuse to. I have a redeemer. I have a healer. I have a protector. I have a provider. And so do you. And I want you to hear this from me tonight. You are called to dominate in the area of health and strength in your physical body. And the faith to do it is in your spirit. I mean, that's why I'm preaching like this. I'm putting the faith of God in your spirit by preaching to you the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so tonight at the end of this broadcast, I'm going to pray now. I'm going to pray that God gives you a supernatural spirit of wisdom and revelation from his word. Do you know you can pray for that? I read it this morning. The book of James chapter one, the Bible says, if any person lacks wisdom, verse five, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and will not rebuke them for asking. God wants you to have wisdom. So much so, he included an entire book of wisdom called Proverbs, for the purpose of imparting wisdom to every one of us. God wants you to have wisdom. And so I'm going to pray for you that God opens the eyes of your understanding, 
gives you a spirit of wisdom, gives you a boldness like you've never had, gives you a faith that will rise up and take action. And then I'm going to pray the prayer of healing. Father, in Jesus' name, for every man and woman that's watching the broadcast or listening later on the podcast, I pray in Jesus' name that you would open the eyes of their understanding, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray in Jesus' name that you'd give them a boldness to walk by faith like they never have. Let them activate faith and obedience like they never have in this, in this year of 2020. And I pray in Jesus' name that every person who has been attacking, been, been being attacked by the devil, sickness, disease, depression, anxiety, fear, panic, suicidal thoughts, issues in relationship. I take authority over those things by the power of the Holy Ghost. I command them to loose their grip and let you go tonight in Jesus' name. And I lose healing virtue to every man and every woman that's watching in Jesus' name. Be made whole by the power of God. Be made whole by the power of God. And from this night forward, I thank you, Lord, that we're walking in our victory, walking in our freedom, walking in our healing, walking in our miracles, walking in our provision in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, everybody shout aloud amen in the comments section. Somebody shout amen, throw those hands up. Amen. I want that too, Allison. I keep praying, God, do even more. Give me more wisdom and revelation in Jesus' mighty name. And he will. He gives to all liberally and will not rebuke them for asking. And so God's going to answer that prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so that's why I've been teaching. And listen, I've been doing the same thing. Because in this time, don't you be worried or afraid about your finances as God is your provider. And even in a time when things look look like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? What's going to take place next? What's going to happen next? Don't you be afraid. Stay faithful to what the Bible teaches. What is that? We stand by faith and we activate God's economy by seed sowing. What did I say to you earlier in the broadcast tonight? If the seed is not right, then the harvest won't be right. If the seed is not right, then the harvest won't be right. That's a big amen, Luenda. If the seed is not right, then the harvest won't be right. There's Jackie Padilla. Good to see you. Good to have you on. And so what am I doing? I'm going to encourage you to get the right seed. Thank you, Jerry. But I don't think that they take hashtag donate. I think they only take hashtag donate. (laughs) I love you, Jerry. You just got to add the end. Uh, I want to encourage those of you that are watching. If the seed's not right, then the harvest isn't going to be right. I'm putting myself in position as I know you are for the greatest, thank you, Jerry, the greatest 2020 we've ever seen. It's a year of violent increase and expedited favor in the mighty name of Jesus. It's a year of violent increase. It'll happen so hardcore, so quickly, it'll freak people out, their natural minds. How in the world did that happen for you? How in the world did God do that? It's violent increase. It's for the faithful. And so if the seed is not right, the harvest won't be right. That's why tonight as you sow a seed, you've got to pray and say, Lord, what is it that I'm supposed to do? I want to do what I'm supposed to do as being led by the Spirit. What does the Spirit say? And it's important to listen to him because the Spirit will say something completely different than what your flesh says. Your flesh will try, it fights by the way, 
It fights against the spirit. Galatians 5.17. The flesh is at war with the spirit. Your flesh will try to tell you something different than the spirit tells you. But you've got to be able to speak a word that the Holy Spirit speaks to you and then take action. Say, thank you, Lord. You gave me that instruction. I'm stepping out on it. The flesh will try to keep you from doing it. Don't listen to the leading of your flesh. The way to be blessed is by following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so it's different for every person, but you have to be obedient it at your level, wherever you're at. For some people, $1,000 is a faith-filled seed. For others, $100 is a faith-filled seed. For others, $10,000 is a faith-filled seed. It's different for everyone, but you must do what stimulates your faith at the level where you are. And know that as I sow this, it is taking faith for me to release this. No, Kristen, I don't believe that they should, unless the Lord specifically tells you. Kristen has a great question. I'll read that. She's on YouTube. Ruth, you can send your seed by going to miracleword.com. Or if you'd like to give right in the uh, comments section, you can tap, type in hashtag sign and then the word donate. And a link will come up for you to give. The easiest way is to just go to miracleword.com and click the, the give button. You can also use Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, however you'd like to give. You can even mail a check. Kristen asked the question, should all of our savings go to sowing and just trust in God that we will be provided for when needed? My answer to that, thank you, Chad, for sowing a seed. Uh, but you can't do hashtag donate on YouTube, Chad, unfortunately. They're the only one that doesn't take it. Twitter does, uh, which is Periscope. Facebook does. But for some reason, YouTube doesn't take hashtag donate. So you have to use Cash App or PayPal or go to the website, Chad. Thanks for doing it. My answer, Christian, is no. And this is ba based on the word of God. Um, you're not supposed to put all of your money in anything. Unless the Lord speaks to you. And there's been times he's spoken to Carolyn and me uh, to sow everything from every account, literally from um, checking, savings, money market, empty them all. We heard the, we've heard the Lord multiple times and sow everything, but that's not supposed to be the normal. In fact, the Bible says, and I know it's in regard to spending, but the Bible says that a fool spends all that he has. So I don't believe that God is always expecting you to give everything away every time you give. I just don't believe that's the case. In fact, that wasn't the case when Paul encouraged the givers in uh, um, Corinth for the, for the Macedonians. It wasn't the case for them either. And so there are cases of people giving everything they have. But it's not the, it is not the usual. God's not expecting you to give everything you have every time you give. He's expecting you to hear an instruction from his Holy Spirit and obey that. If that instruction is that, and it may happen a few times throughout your life, if your instruction is that, then you do what the Spirit says. We've always been blessed for obeying him, but it's, that's why it's important to pray and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you would have me to do? And then do the thing he asks you to do. And obedience is better than sacrifice. The Bible teaches us that. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I want to give the sacrifice that the Lord asked me to give and not something that I just came up with on my own because seed is that important. 
Seed determines future. Seed determines harvest. And so uh, it's very important. Like, for ex- I'll give you an example. Not that God would ever make you miss out for operating in faith, but the Bible says if you don't, if I, as a man, if I did not take care of my own family, clothe them, feed them, take care of them in that way, the Bible says I would be worse than an infidel. And so if I just decided to give all my money away rather than taking care of my family, then I would be, according to scripture, worse than an infidel. Of course, by giving, it's like you've heard me say on the broadcast, if I came down to would I tithe, if all I had was money to tithe, would I tithe or would I feed my family? If it came down to it, let me just tell you something. God would get his tithe and we'd be fasting. And because I, because God knows that's my heart, I'll never be in that position, ever. Because I'm a tither and I'm a large sower beyond my tithe. You're going to work. Let me just tell you, those of you that are sowing, those of you that are giving, and we've had large gifts come into this ministry. We've had very large gifts come in. But let me tell you, you're going to have to work very hard to be a larger sower than me and Carolyn are because we work hard to hear the voice of the Spirit and give largely. Give largely. My goal, I'll always be the largest giver in my ministry. Nobody will ever outgive me in this ministry. As the leader of it, I'm going to set the bar. I'm going to set the bar. And let me tell you, we give a lot of money. It's funny, like a guy jumped on Periscope the other night trying to mock the broadcast. And he's like, you're not going to give a thing. I said, and I told him, I said, if, if you knew how much money I give in offerings alone, let alone tithe, just in offerings, you'd pee your pants. You have to go somewhere and change your underwear. Because my, my goal is to be the largest giver in this ministry. I'll never have seeds come in larger than what I give. I will give largely. And we do. And every year is more than the year before. Thank you, Brandon. It means a lot for me to me to hear you say, yeah, exactly. Christian. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so take a minute, just do what the Lord tells you to do. See the, the obedience is better than sacrifice. The obedience is better. The obedience. I would rather obey the Lord than anything else. Hey, Janine, I would rather obey the Lord than anything else. It brings the greatest, it brings the greatest blessings. Can I read you this? This is so awesome. This is so awesome. I love this verse of scripture in Isaiah chapter one, and it's so very true. Isaiah 119, think about how powerful obedience is. If you are willing and obedient you will eat the good of the land. Not the average, not the survival mode. You will eat, that's right. That's right, Brandon. You'll eat the good of the land. Brandon said, I learned the principle of honor from you to never let a purchase be greater than any one-time seed. I agree with that, Brandon. I live like that because I want to honor God with my finance. And so I would never... I. My my, if you don't know what he's talking about, I've made the principle true in our life. My wife and I, we would never go out and buy something for ourselves that we haven't already given much more than that to God. If I, I'm not going to go out and buy a thousand dollar suit or a, you know, ten thousand dollar watch. If I've never given God ten thousand dollars in an offering, what business do I have buying myself a ten thousand dollar watch? 
If I never have given God $1,000 in an offering, what business do I have buying myself a $1,000 suit? All that shows God is my suit's more important than your kingdom. My watch is more important than your kingdom. I, I refuse to live that way. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. That's going to be your story. You're going to eat the best. You're going to have the best. Praise God. It was one of my first watershed events, and last year I gave in six. Praise God. Oh, that's powerful. That's powerful. Gave more in six months last year than the corporate America salary I had five years ago. That's supernatural. See, that's a testimony Brandon's giving that's really supernatural. He, he said he gave more in six months than what he made in a salary in corporate America five years ago. Think about that. He gave more away in a half a year than he made in a full year. I mean, that's supernatural. And that's what God does. When you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. God makes you head and shoulders above the rest. You're blessed. People show up to bless you. They have to. It's part of your covenant. Even the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Hallelujah. Even the wealth of the wicked. Amen. Increased obedience brings accelerated harvest. Absolutely true. And let me tell you, we've had some large offerings come in to this ministry. But I'm telling you, I'm not going to be out giving. I'm going to keep giving more, 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 more. And I'll never stop because I know the blessing. I know the, what happens on the other side of it. And it's exciting to watch God do it. The harvests keep coming back. If the seed's not right, the harvest won't be right. And so let me say thank you to everybody that's sowing, standing with us. We love you so much. We really pray for you. I like to pray for you by name. That's why I have you text me. And we stay in touch via text message. And uh, if, you don't, if you've never done that, you can just literally go to that website, miracleword.com forward slash text, fill out the form, and we'll stay connected via text message. I like to pray for you by name. We pray for our partners every single week because we appreciate and love you. We're believing for the best for your family, your children, that you'll have the good of the land available in your home. So thank you. A lot of people have been using Cash App. That seems to be somebody's favorite, uh, people's favorite method. It's the website and Cash App, and people really love how easy it is. I've been using it for everything myself. I like sowing seeds that way. And so if you'd like to do it, the usernames are on the screen. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. It's Friday. Have a great weekend. I won't be back with you, obviously, in the morning because it's Saturday. Uh, but we'll be back for tomorrow night, Spirit of Faith session, uh, 7 o'clock Eastern time, normal time. Uh, we'll be back uh, teaching again, preaching again. And uh, so have an awesome weekend tonight. Have a great morning. Rest yourself. Enjoy your family. Uh, ha just have a good time, man. Get some good food. Have a good time. Play some games. Hang out. Don't, don't sit around just like watching the news incessantly to see what the next announcement's going to be and how many people caught it, you know, in Uruguay. You know, it's like, just chill out, have fun, enjoy yourself. Take it as a staycation at home. Have fun with your family. Be at peace. Have a great rest, a good night's sleep. I love you guys. Have a good one. I'll see you tomorrow night, 7 p.m. right back here, Spirit of Faith Sessions. On the way out, we're going back to my favorite song right now, which is Power. You're about to watch Indiana Bible College sing an Eddie James song, 
power. As for me, I'm going to have shrimp tacos and drink some more Diet NW, which brings you this broadcast tonight. Brought to you by Diet NW. Love you. Have a great night.
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.